Turn, if you would, this morning to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do come to you this morning thanking you for a good day. Thank you, Lord, for the health that allows us to be here. I pray that you'd help me now in the next few moments to say what I believe you've impressed upon my heart. I pray that you'd help us to give it the attention that it deserves, and God, that you'd help us to make application where we need to make application in our lives. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, as we continued our study here in Ecclesiastes, we looked at some words that Solomon wrote that were not Uh, the most encouraging by way of what he determined and what he had concluded in his own personal life. He came to this realization or he came to grips with this truth that all people die. It matters not whether you are wise or whether or not you are a fool. He said that they all die the same. And so in the midst of this, he once again lamented the fact that whenever a person dies, they are quickly forgotten and the next generation replaces them and no one really knows who they were. And then, in addition to that, what he went on to say was this, is that wisdom was vanity and that there was really no purpose in trying to acquire or to obtain wisdom in this life. And as Paul, or not Paul, but as Solomon wrote that, or as he declared that, I said that really the foolishness of Solomon was made known. Because anybody with any wisdom at all knows this, that though wisdom will not make your life perfect, it will certainly make this life better and it certainly prepares us for that moment of death that none of us can escape. And so, as much as Solomon is held to be a man of wisdom, there was certainly a time in his life where the foolishness prevailed, so much so that he thought wisdom itself was a waste of time. And so I hope that all of us will remember this, that there is great value in wisdom because it prepares us and it readies us for death. All right, and so that's what we talked about last week. Today we're going to move on, consider a couple of verses. They may be familiar to you, they may not be familiar, but I trust that by the end of the service they'll be a help to you. And as we get into this message, I want to make this very clear, all right? I want this to be clear, I want it to be understood, I want us to all be uh, on the same page on this truth, that I am not preaching at you this morning, okay? I am preaching to us because I need this as much as anyone could need this, all right? So I don't want you to leave here this morning saying, well, he was sure getting on to us. No, I'm getting on to all of us if we need it. You may not need it, but if you do, then I'm included, all right? Got that squared away in our heart and mind? Good deal. Trust that we do. I want to ask you a story or ask you a question this morning. I want to I share a thought with you that uh, has probably happened to you at least once. How many of you have ever been on a road trip with someone, and uh, it, maybe it wasn't an immediate family member or someone that you just felt complete liberty with? So you've been on this road trip with this person, and, and as you're driving along, it's time to eat. Have you ever been in a situation like that? It's time to pull over and stop somewhere and get a bite to eat. And so inevitably, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to be said. Someone is going to say something like this, hey, What do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? Now, this may not have ever happened to you, but I know it's happened to me on many different occasions, that whenever the question is asked, what do you want to eat, what sounds good to you, someone in the car is going to say something like this, I don't care where we eat, just pick anything. 
You ever been in a situation like that? Someone says, hey, it's time to eat. Where do you want to eat? Someone responds with, I don't care. Just pick anything. Anything sounds fine to me. So you're driving a little bit up ahead on the right-hand side of the road. It'll be an easy off and back onto the interstate kind of a thing. Someone says something like this, hey, there's a Taco Bell right up there. And immediately someone says, oh, Taco Bell. Well, you just said you didn't care. You just said anything's fine with you. You didn't care. And, and there's a Taco Bell. We're just going to whip off real quick, get us something to eat, and we'll get back on the road. And the person says, no, 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 not no, not Taco Bell. That, that's just nasty. So you go a little bit further. And you see this sign that says Wendy's. Somebody says, well, hey, there's a Wendy's up the road. What do you think about Wendy's? Oh, Wendy's is fine. Yeah, Wendy's will work. So you get off the exit there on the interstate. You're about to go to Wendy's, and all of a sudden, just down the road a little bit further, that person says, oh, wait, is that Whataburger? I want Whataburger. I like Whataburger way better than I like Wendy's. So the person driving the car says, okay, Whataburger it is. We won't go to Wendy's. So they go to Whataburger. They get their food. They get back on the road, and everybody is seemingly happy. Now, here's what I want us to think about. Didn't the person in the car say, I don't care, just pick something and we'll be fine? That's what the person said. And then they snarled up their nose at Taco Bell. And then when Wendy's rolled around and they had a chance for Whataburger, they snarled up their nose at Wendy's so that they could get Whataburger. And so what that reveals then is this, is whenever they said, I don't care, I'm good with anything, what it really meant is, I'm a liar. I do care. I'm not good with just anything. You've been in a situation like that before, right? Yeah, I know the specifics are different, but you say something like this, Honey, what sounds good? She says, Oh, I don't care. Pick anything. You pick something. And she says, Why are we here? You're a liar. Because if anything sounded good, then Taco Bell would have been fine. Wendy's would have been fine. Red Lobster would have been fine. McDonald's would have been fine. Anything really does mean anything. And so to suggest I'm fine with it only to say, no, not that, means, no, I'm really not fine with just anything. That really doesn't satisfy me. I want something else. So why do we lie? Because we know it's the right thing to do. As weird as that sounds. It's the right thing to say. It's the right way to try to portray ourselves. It's the right way to, to try to come across to these people who are maybe in the car with us or whatever the, the scenario may be. We do it because it's the polite thing to say. It's the proper thing to say. It's the, it's the being mindful of others kind of thing to say. We say it, but it's not true. And we know it's not true, and we prove it's not true, because we go ahead and express what we really want. We just feel better by saying at first, we don't care. 
Now, if you'll think about that for just a couple of moments, I want us to give us some context to this morning's message, all right? It's important that we understand this because of where the message is headed. But remember in chapter 2 in the opening verses, Solomon began writing about all of his great accomplishments in this life. He was talking about the great works that he had built or built and, and, and the vineyards that he had planted and all the things that he had accomplished and the servants that he had and, and the cattle and the livestock that he had and the singers that he had acquired and, and how he kept nothing from himself. If he wanted it, he obtained it and how he had increased in riches. You remember that Solomon talked about all that? As he talked about all this, here's what we would know. By way of the world's standards, Solomon had done well for himself. Solomon was successful. He had taken as much of the wealth of this world as he could. He had piled it up high. He had stored it in large buildings, so to speak. If you were going to look at someone and say, I wonder who is going to die with the most, Solomon would have been right up there at the top of the list. Solomon had the wealth of this world. In doing all this, you may remember from the message two weeks ago that Solomon even said that he enjoyed the process of acquiring all of this and building all of it. He enjoyed it. And yet there came a point in his life where he began to realize that everything he had acquired and everything that he had amassed and everything that he had piled up, he said that that too was vanity. And that it was vexation of spirit and that it was empty and it was pointless and there was no real worth to it. And, and then last week as we looked at Solomon's words and how he wrestled with the subject of death and, and came to grips with the fact that everyone dies, it matters not if you're a wise man or a foolish man. As Solomon did that, I just reminded us a few moments ago that Solomon said even wisdom in life is vanity and it's a waste. And he said in verse number 17, Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. And so with everything that Solomon had accomplished and built up and amassed, he said, you know, every bit of this is a waste and every bit of this is pointless. In verse 18, the despair that Solomon has in this point in his life grows even to a, a newer level. You, you see things being written about now that you just think to yourself, my goodness, this is terrible and this is sad and this is pathetic, but it is who Solomon was. Notice in verse number 18, he said this, Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun. You remember just a few verses ago, he wrote about this truth that he enjoyed the process. He had enjoyed the building. He had enjoyed the acquiring. He had enjoyed everything that he had done. But now what's happened? Well, what's happened is this, is that the years had passed, and now he is coming to this stage in life where he is coming face to face with his own mortality. He is realizing that he is going to pass away someday. And he said this, that he hated the labor which he had taken under the sun. Now, I think that most of us know what it means to hate something. It would be the exact opposite of loving something. And so, where you would love something, you would have a warmth or an affection for something like that. Solomon would say this of all of his life's endeavors and all of his toils and everything that he had done. He said, I grew to hate it. I grew to loathe it. I, I despised it. And it's interesting, this word hate also means this, or it carries with it this idea to be an enemy, 
of someone. As Solomon is in this stage of his life and he is looking back over the years to where he worked, 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 and gained and gained and gained and gained, he said, even that began to serve as my own enemy. Well, if you think about it, we know that to be true, do we not? That the working and 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 the pursuing and the amassing and the accumulating and the acquiring and the doing, being so involved with one's labor, if we're honest, we know that that can eventually turn into our own enemy and work against us. And so here is Solomon writing of his labor and everything that he's acquired. And though it was fun for a while, it is now a burden to him. It is now a labor to him. We'll, we'll see more about this in a little bit. It's, it's something that serves as a stress to him. And somebody may say, well, well, Solomon, how could this be a burden to you? And how could this be a, a, a weight that you have to carry around? Well, notice what he said and what he's worried about. He said, yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. Now, friends, that's a statement right there that says so much about Solomon and where he was at in his personal life. He said, everything that I had amassed and everything that I had accumulated, everything that I had acquired... I hated it. The entire process, I, I grew to hate it. Why? Because as I came face to face with my own mortality, as I began to realize that one day I was going to die and leave this world just like the fool does, here is what I realized. Everything that I had worked so hard to amass, it's just going to be left to someone else. Notice what he said in verse number 19. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? I've worked so hard to amass this. I've worked so hard to acquire all this. And I now hate it. Because here's what I'm realizing, one day I'm going to leave and it's just going to be given to the person that comes up after me. And who knows whether this person will be wise or a fool. Who knows if they're going to handle it wisely? Who knows if they'll handle it foolishly? Will they take care of it? Will they preserve it? Are they going to waste it? Are they going to squander it? What is going to happen to what I've done? You see the concern that Solomon has? I've worked so hard to build up so much. What are they going to do with what I've done? This next generation who will take it from me or after me when I'm gone. He said in verse number 19, Yet shall he have rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. He said, you know what? There's coming a day that someone else is going to have complete control over everything I worked so hard for. Look in verse number 20. Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair 
of all the labor which I took under the sun. What does that mean? Most people agree, who are scholars anyways, they agree that basically what Solomon was saying was this. It, it began to put him in a state of despair to consider that someone else would take what he had had and he wouldn't know whether or not they were going to be wise or foolish with it. They're going to be in charge. And, and, and just the thought of that began to put despair into my heart and my mind. So he says again in verse number 21, For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity, or doing what is good and what is right. And he said, Yet to a man that hath not labored therein, shall he leave it for his portion. So what is he saying? He's saying this, there are those who work hard with wisdom and with knowledge and in doing what is good and right. And then there's going to some, come someone else, and it's going to be left to them, and, and they didn't labor for any of this. They're going to come into all this cash. They're going to come into all this gold and this silver. They're going to have servants that, that they didn't work for. They're going to have vineyards that they didn't work for. They're going to have buildings that they didn't work for. I mean, they're going to have all these things provided for them, and they didn't do anything for it. So he said in verse number 22, For what hath man of all his labor, and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrow, and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. Again, here's what scholars believe what Solomon is trying to communicate is this, is that as Solomon was reaching this point in his life where he was again recognizing that his death would one day take place like it did with the fool, that he began to realize someday someone who didn't work hard for all of this is going to be in control of it, and they may be wise with it, they may be fools with it, I don't know. And as Solomon began to consider all this and he began to be in this sense of despair, it caused him sorrow and travail and grief to the point that he would lose sleep over it and that he was not able to get rest at night because he was worried about who would get his stuff when he was gone. <laughs> yeah, we may not want to laugh just yet. Notice in verse number 19 how the verse ends. This is also vanity. Verse number 21. This also is vanity and a great evil. Verse number 23. This is also vanity. I've worked hard. I've done well for myself. I've amassed many things. In the eyes of the world, I am a success because I have things, I have possessions, I have money, I have resources, I have the ability to do whatever I want. I am a success. I'm going to die. Like everyone else, I'm going to die. It matters not if I'm wise or a fool. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter what I have striven for in this life. It, it does not matter. And, and as a result of that, I'm now realizing that someone else will get everything that I worked so hard for. This is a cause of despair in my life now. 
I don't know if they're going to be wise. I don't know if they're going to be fools. I don't know if they'll handle it well. I don't know if they'll squander it. I don't know. What do I do? And, and it's keeping me up at night. I just I can't even sleep anymore because I'm so worried about what someone else may do with my possessions. I want to ask you something. In all of this, does Solomon sound somewhat attached to the things of this world? <laughs> I mean, I don't think you have to be a real in-depth kind of a theologian to say, you know what, I, I think Solomon's attached to this stuff. I think he has an affection for the things of this world. I think if we were to look at this and say, my goodness, Solomon, I mean, you're worried about who's going to get what when you're dead. I think you like this stuff a little more than you should. Here you are losing sleep and you're worrying about who's, you know, who's going to inherit the estate and, and, and you can't get rest and all this is despair and sorrow and grief and all these things. Solomon, I mean, this, this, isn't, this isn't a good position for you to be in. Would we agree? I would trust that we would agree with that. But here's what I wonder, just a question that I had this week, and, and I can't prove it any more than you could disprove it, but here's what I wonder, you know, Solomon being who Solomon was. I mean, this is a man who great, prayed great prayers, Right? I mean, this is Solomon, the one who asked for wisdom, who asked for understanding, who asked for discernment over this great people because Solomon said, I don't even know how to go out or to come in. I mean, I, God, I don't even know what to do. This is Solomon who knew how to offer sacrifices and, and things like that to the Lord, right? Yes. This is Solomon who spent seven years building a temple for the Lord, and it was over-the-top, ornate, incredible, something that our minds could not begin to imagine. Listen, we're not talking to some pagan king, some heathen king who, who worshipped false gods. We're talking about Solomon who knew something about Jehovah God. Now here's what I wonder. I wonder if we could have gone to Solomon during his pursuit of stuff. During his pursuit of things. And we could have asked him this question. Hey, Solomon, are you in love with this stuff? Does all this stuff have your heart? I don't know what Solomon would have said, but I know that he would have known what the right answer was. Because he would have known the right answer was, no. No, I don't care. No, this stuff doesn't mean anything to me. No, this, no, this stuff's, listen, it, listen, it's not important to me. See, I think Solomon would have known the right thing to say because it was the noble thing to say. It was the, the religious thing to say. It, it was the, the thing that you were supposed to say when asked about goods and how important it was in light of a relationship with God. Here is what I think Solomon knew to say that this didn't really matter to him. This wasn't really important to him. Yet when you watched his lifestyle, you could not help but realize, though he said it wasn't a big deal, obviously it was a big deal. 
the man was losing sleep over who was going to get his inheritance when he was gone. It was a big deal. He was worried about whether or not the man would be foolish or wise with the things he had amassed and he hadn't worked for. Listen, I don't know what Solomon would have said, but knowing how people generally work and how they like to paint themselves in a positive light, I think Solomon would have fallen into that trap where he would have said, Oh, no, no, I don't care. No, anything's fine. I don't have to have all this stuff to be happy. Yet, that, listen, his life proved he had to have it in order to be happy, only to realize that that didn't give him happiness. Now this morning, I want to ask you a question. I know the answer, but I want you to think about this question. I want to ask you, do you know anyone who has worked hard to amass the things of this world? We do. We know people who have worked hard and and they have given themselves to labor so that they might acquire the things that are important to them. Whatever those things may be. Their things may be completely different than what Solomon's things were. And those things that they pursue may be completely different than someone else pursues. But we have all known people who have pursued the things of this world. And they have been successful in their pursuits. So like Solomon, though different in the specifics, like Solomon, they could say, well, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, and I've got this. And yet it's interesting, if you follow the course of this person's life all the way through, here is what you generally come to find, is that at the end of their lives, listen now, at the end of their lives, everything that had been so important to them is no longer as important as it once was. And many times, the very things that they gave themselves to acquire, they now realize the enemy that it was to them. Because it cost them sometimes a marriage, or it cost them sometimes the relationship they had with their children, or it cost them their health and their strength and their ability to do. And so there are so many people who pursued these things, and they were successful in the pursuit, and yet now they reach a point in their lives that they hate those things and they view them as an enemy because they realize what it actually cost them to get it. And now they're worried about what will happen when they're gone. Well, I've got to make sure that they don't try to take advantage of my kids, or I've got to make sure that they don't try to take care or take advantage of my, my spouse, and I've got to make sure that my grandkids are taken care of, because if I leave it to the kids, I know they'll just squander it. And have you ever noticed how people tend to worry about everything they've amassed because they want to make sure that they're still in control even when they're dead? I've probably mentioned this person in the past, but I'm just, you know, I'm I'm very well acquainted with a man who has got all the financial resources that I would ever want, and he's got everything lined out to where everybody in the family just gets an allowance every month after he's gone to make sure that nobody gets a lump sum and spends it foolishly because he worked hard to make that money. And he doesn't want somebody coming in and taking advantage and somebody to spend it foolishly and and this, that, and the other. And, and, And really what he's trying to do is exercise his control and his authority well beyond this life. And, 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 
you know, if I were to talk to him today, everything that he worked hard to acquire has been an enemy to the things that truly matter at this stage of life. There are modern-day Solomons all over the place. It's not that they were sinful in working hard and doing well for themselves. You understand that. I've said that many times before. But what the problem is this, is so many pursued those things outside of their relationship with God, only to realize now that did not satisfy me the way I thought it was going to satisfy me. Now, we hear all that. We hear that and we know it to be true. I've got examples. You've probably got examples of people who sound just like Solomon. Their story would resonate with what Solomon had to say. It would be so similar. And I think here's what happens for so many of us. us non-Solomons. You know what I mean by the non-Solomons of the world? I'm not rich, financially speaking. And I think most of you would say, as I've said before, most of you would probably put yourself in the same category that you're not rich, financially. You might say, well, I'm comfortable and we're doing okay, but, but hey, I, I'm nowhere near that whole Solomon level. Right? Now, you, you remember that pious attitude we've had in years past, like, oh, I don't care where we eat. You remember that pious attitude? Oh, I don't just pick a place. I'm fine with anything. Okay, you know how that pious attitude creeps up in that little realm of our life? Did you know that that same pious attitude tends to creep up in our personal lives as it relates to the things of this world? And we like to tell ourselves, oh, it's okay with me. Oh, I'm fine. Oh, no, I don't have to have a lot to be happy. Oh, no, I'm, I'm pretty content. And, and, you know, I'm just pretty happy with the simple things. Oh, no, I'm pretty good at that. And, and, and you know why we've come to that conclusion about ourselves? I think there are a couple of things that lead us to think of those things about ourselves. I, I think, first of all, it would be something like this. We know that that's the right thing to say. Uh, you know, I, I don't need a lot to make me happy. Okay, it's the right thing to say. We also many times come to that conclusion in our life or in our lives because there are certain things that we no longer care about like we once did so that helps convince us that we don't care about the things of this world like we used to. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So, well, no, not me. Okay, so let me help you out a little bit. Here's where I'm at. I've been very honest over the years, and I've told you that years ago I took great pride in my wardrobe. Now, I know that that's probably not been a hang-up for many of you men growing up in the panhandle of Texas, but I'm just saying, being raised the way that I was and in the environment that I was in, I took great pride in my wardrobe. So one of the things that used to be a big deal to me was never wear the same tie twice. You remember me telling you that story? And so I used to make sure that I bought a brand new tie every week to make sure that nobody at church ever saw me in a tie I had worn before. That was a dumb hang-up of mine. What that leads to is a closet full of ties and a bank account with not much money in it. Now, that was important to me, but nowadays, guess what? 
I don't care about ties. If I get a brand new tie, it's usually because someone has given it to me or I found it for a few dollars on a sale rack at some store. But I mean, I, truly, I think last year I may have bought two new ties and I know what I spent. I spent about 11 bucks on both of them. Now, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying this. I can look at myself and how I don't care about my wardrobe like I used to care about my wardrobe, and I can say, yeah, you know, I really don't care about the things of this world. No, all that means is I don't care about my wardrobe like I used to care about my wardrobe. I could say things like this, as I mentioned in prayer meeting this morning. You know, 16 years ago, the, the thought of moving to Pampa didn't sound real appealing to me, but now it sounds real good. Uh, you know, I just, I don't need things like I used to. No, that's garbage. It's kind of like saying, oh, just pick anywhere, them saying Taco Bell, and me saying, what, Taco Bell? I don't think so. See, I want to tell people that I don't care, when in reality, I do care. I just care about different things these days. See, as I was developing this sermon and trying to put all the thoughts together, I had to go have lunch with Susie. And, and, and so we were talking about this and, and, and I was telling her, you know, here's what I think happens so many times. We're so delusional in our thought process because we told ourselves, oh, I don't care about that. When the truth of the matter is this, the only thing that has really changed is not our struggle, but what we struggle with. Because if I'm honest, you know what I have to admit? I still have a pretty strong affection for the things of this world. Brother Kyle, you shouldn't admit that. Okay, do you want me to lie to you and preach at you? And then you say, well, you do it too. Uh, listen, I, I know that I do. Susie and I were talking about this, and, and, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's silly things, but yet it reveals my own struggle with my attachment to the things of this world. I would downsize my house. No, you wouldn't. Not until you chose to do it, but, but oh, I will. No, I'll do it on my terms and only on my terms. And if you make me have to downsize because, well, I have to, there's a good chance I won't be happy. You know why I would struggle with that? Because I'm in love with some walls over on Duncan Street. You know what that reveals? It reveals I've got the same heart problem that Solomon had. I'm a little too attached to some of this stuff. Well, I've had this, oh man, I've had a bee in my bonnet lately. I want to trade cars right now so bad. I've been looking at cars online for a couple of months now, and, and there's only one thing stopping me, and it's called a whole bunch of money, all right? And, and, and there's just this desire, and you know what I've had to work so hard to do? Just be content with the car you've already got. Now, at some point in the future, whenever I trade cars, that doesn't mean that I've sinned and, and it's only because I love the world. It may mean that I just needed a new car at that point and God opened the door. But what I'm saying is this. Well, you know, I don't care about my wardrobe anymore. Therefore, I don't care about the things of God. But let's not talk about my house or my cars or let's not talk about, you know, some of these extras that we enjoy in life. 
let's just be honest. How many of us want to start cutting out all the extras that we have? Yeah, babe, we're not in love with this world, and here's how we're going to prove it. I'm not taking you out to eat for the next six months. Do what? I'm kind of in love with restaurants and that whole service thing. Yeah, we're not doing this, we're not buying this, we're not going here, we're not going to engage in this. And you know what a lot of people would do? They would lose their joy because they no longer had that little piece of the world that mattered to them. See, we like to say, because it sounds so, so pious and godly, we love to say, oh, we're not worried about the things of this world. When in reality, what has happened is, is what we used to care about has now shifted to something else that we care about. And here's what I want to remind every one of us on this morning, myself included, what we must labor in and what we must strive for is this, is to truly recognize the temporalness or the lack of eternal value to everything we are coming into contact with by way of stuff. I've got to remember this. Do you have to remember this? I mean, do you ever have to remind yourself that this does not matter? We've got to remind ourselves for this reason, if this is what has our affection, if this is what has our heart, if this is what we love, though we tell everybody in the car, so to speak, that we don't care, if this is what we love, you know what will happen? At some point, we won't have that or we won't be able to enjoy it like we once did. And we'll find that we're not near as happy and as content as we thought we were or wanted people to think we were. I'm just saying, if you're anything like me, if your flesh is anything like my flesh, there's a whole lot of this world out there that we still have some pretty strong affection for. That's why we're working so hard. That's why we're laboring so hard. That's why we're going, 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 going. And somebody says, well, shouldn't we work and enjoy it? Hey, if God gives it, we can enjoy it. But what I'm saying is this, is so many times we've got everything just backwards as to how it's supposed to be. We're not waiting on God to just bless us with it. We're going after it, and we're pursuing it, and we're chasing it, and we're going to make it happen. Yeah, and then when those things are taken away from us or we began to realize just how temporal it was, we're left empty and void and we, we see this vanity of it like Solomon had to realize it was. I'm just saying you, maybe, like myself, need to be reminded this morning. We cannot afford to be in love with the things of this world. That cannot be where our affection is at. Because that too will be vanity and vexation of spirit. And it's just not worth it. Remember, remind yourself, whenever the bug hits and bites and strikes and the, and the itch shows up, remember, it's just stuff. It's just things. And if I cannot be happy and content without that, then there is something wrong with me and my affection for the things of this world. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer.
Father, as I come to you this morning, I pray that you'd help each of us. Lord, it doesn't really matter what stage of life we're in. There are teenagers in this room right now, and there are people in the latter years of their life. And Lord, every one of us can still struggle with this. Lord, we can get so wrapped up in the things of this world that we lose all of our contentment and all of our joy if we don't have those things. And I pray that today you just help us to be reminded that there is nothing in this world that will satisfy us. There is nothing in this world that will give us the contentment we need, especially in those final days of our life, outside of a relationship with you and what it's supposed to be. So I pray that you'd bless the invitation and that you'd speak to hearts however necessary. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.